Good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. It is that time of the week, the time I know you've anxiously been awaiting. Big shout out to our friend Dale in uh, Dallas Tech, or Houston, I'm sorry. Gosh, how could I be so offensive to say he's from Dallas? But anyway, and to all the others, to the Where bag is he lady, from Houston? to the lunch lady. She's. Uh, is he from Houston? Yeah, he's living in Houston now. Well, you know what's going on in Houston. The uh, Planned Parenthood case. We'll have to get into that a little bit. Find out what Dale thinks about that. Well, I would love to hear his opinion about that. But anyway, you're listening to What's Your Point, the weekly show that tries to talk about all the topics that are popular, not so popular, and uh, issues that are in your face from the past week. And there has been, you know, at the beginning of last week, uh, you know, after after last week's show, Greek, it was uh, it was pretty interesting. I, but it, it seemed like it slowed. Then all of a sudden the pace picked up and picked up much like the pace does here at Cutter Cigar Emporium whenever we're in town and doing the show. We are live from Cutter Cigar Emporium in Alpharetta, a beautiful cigar store planted right here just north of Atlanta. And Cutter Cigar Emporium, which is your portal to the world, uh, across the mic from me is my good friend and partner, Mark the Greek Anthony. And uh, Greek... You always miss that one. What? <laughs> You can use my last name now. The, Freight. Oh, yes. the, the yeah. yeah. Statue of limitations is oh, long, is it, is it, it's long over? expired. Okay, long. well, I'm sorry. I keep, I, you know, you and your uh, your federal agent, we were pretty close after all those years, you know. Spent a lot of time together. So now the witnesses, witness protection is over. It's Mark Fredo. And uh, <sighs> I'm, I'm glad you corrected me on that. But, uh, you know, last few weeks, football is almost winding up. And so we won't have anything to, you know, we won't start with the football. But it's, but it's a. Clearly on everybody's mind. The biggest game of the year is coming up in uh, the big game uh, because we don't want to we'll recap of what happened last weekend. Yeah, too. but that was the thing. Uh, you and I, when we left last week, you would say you had picked uh, New England and Arizona. I picked, no, I picked New England and Carolina. Carolina, right. And I picked the, Arizona uh, and Denver. Denver. So we, we split. So there's no VIG for you. But uh, the... Um, the, the games were good. The games were good. I, I'll oh, tell the first you what. Game was. I was absolutely blown away by the Denver defense. I've seen the Denver defense a few times uh, during the year, and they looked really good. But you talk about being amped up. Well, you know, you beat Tom Brady and the Patriots twice in the same season, and you do it one time with your backup quarterback. Uh, very impressive, uh, as you were just saying. They they won that game with their defense in the second That's half. That's it. That was that was and, the and defense. The, the pressure that they put on Brady the entire game. He didn't. I mean, they effectively took Gronkowski and Edelman out of the game until the fourth quarter. Yeah, and and of course they made a that dramatic comeback. But at the end, it was the defense that did it again, forced Brady to throw that bad pass, and he threw it across the middle, which we had talked about earlier. And and, and you know, how many times? Of quarterbacks gotten burned across the middle, especially down in the because it's so compact down there. The chance of mistakes, but Brady, to his defense, he had no time. No, no he, and he didn't have a choice. He had to he had to force something, or we he was going to lose anyway. So whether it was an incomplete pass or, uh, you know, he couldn't just run the ball out of bounds. He needed the two points. That was the only shot he had, and he took the best shot. But that defense was just tenacious. He was on his back more than some of the women down in New Orleans that get paid for it. <laughs> I wouldn't know about that. Well, I've heard. Uh, no, um, you look at their third down conversion rate, which was pathetic. I, I did. I think they had maybe two. It was. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't remember the exact numbers. They, no, they converted on some fourth downs, some big fourth downs, 
and it really was a fantastic game. Um, you have to... I have begrudgingly, you have to give the Patriots credit for fighting back. They didn't go down easy. No, and and you would expect that from Bill Belichick and from Tom Brady. And this was a game when it was seventeen to nine. Uh, I, I turned to the guy I was sitting watching the game with, and I said, "You know, really, at this point, all they need is another field goal. If they can get another field goal, I think they've got it." But in the meantime, the Patriots wound up scoring twelve, yeah. or another three points. And uh, just that whole fourth quarter was just a nail-biter the whole time. My sister lives in Denver and is obviously a big Peyton Manning fan, a big Denver fan. And we were texting back and forth, and it was just um, it was, it, it was one for the ages. Well, it was the kind of game you would hope for in Brady Manning. And this might, and, I, you know, there are rumors that he whispered into uh, Belichick's ear or something. or Last rodeo. Yeah, last rodeo. Um, I think he realizes it. I think he... I mean, they all get to a point where they think they can go on forever, but there, there, there comes a salient point in their career, a game, where they think maybe this is it, and this may be that moment. It, now, of course, it's the end of the season. You never believe what they say at the end of the season because they're beat up. They've, uh, you know, they've been through hell for a whole season. It's pretty hard to get a real feel for it. It'll probably be a couple months away whether or not it's his last game. But here's the thing that's interesting. Oldest quarterback to ever play in the Super Bowl, and I thought that was – and to cap that with winning the Super Bowl, I think that would be, at that point, I think it would be pretty easy for him to walk away. Uh, yeah, I think so, too. And I think he's a smart guy, too. Um, he's seen so many guys, in, in not only in, in, in his his peer group, right. but his father's, where guys just hang on too long. Yeah. And uh, what a way to go out. Just to, Oh, I, and I'd love to see it for him because he's a class act. Of course, you know, okay, the HGH thing. I don't know what's going on with that. I've read, I, I haven't read the latest from the NFL it's that kinda, they're going into kinda, a full-blown investigation. Yeah, it's, off the, it's sort of off the radar right now. I mean, why would you, why not wait till after the Super Bowl? Come on, NFL. Well, you know, I mean, really, I, I, I don't see their, their, their reasoning. Nothing's going to be determined between now and the Super Bowl. So why do you even bring that up and they put need that two pressure? Weeks of, they, they've they've got media. to have something to talk about for That's two weeks. it. And see, that's pathetic. I would rather talk Nobody's about talking the young about the lion Bowl. versus the old lion. You know, I mean, there's so many things you could talk about. Um, and Two different, completely different styles. Yes. Um, you know, you have a lot of people saying it's almost a changing of the guard in, 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 in the way offenses are put together. Like the West Coast offense was so dominating. 25 years ago, yeah, 30 20, years ago. Now, now it's the big, strong quarterback that can throw and can run. That's what they're looking for. That's the next thing. And then you... You make them more volatile. You, you make but, them more versatile, and then you you have. A, but you've got a, you've got a, such a unique situation with a Cam Newton because he, he's six geez. six. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard two thirty five, two forty. So finding well, a guy he like that. He and I have some in common. <laughs> of course, I'm about eight inches smaller than he is, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I think you're you're being generous at that two thirty five, huh? Well, no, no, no. Really? Well, well, I'm at two forty one, okay. but well, it's not still. Yeah. That's it's impressive, but. Um, yeah. No, I mean, you're you're not going to come across a guy with that 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 physical uh, a quarterback every year, and, and you're not going to find guys like that. When you, when you see the typical guy that has tried to run an offense where they rely on their legs as much as their arm, you wind up with a Michael Vick situation or an RG three situation, and yeah. you're going to play half the season with your quarter your starting quarterback on the bench hurt. You can't do that in the NFL. No team 
it, it, the quarterback is too important a position now to where you can even go three or four games with your starting quarterback out. I mean, the, the, the Broncos right. did it. I, I don't want to use the term smoke and mirrors because their defense was so solid. But, you know, for them to have had not only to, to make the playoffs, but to have home field advantage and, and to do it with a backup quarterback for, what, four games uh, is a testament to the, the strength of that team overall. I got to say this. I would love to see Peyton Manning go out with the win. I've always been a fan of Peyton Manning. The Broncos have never been my team, nor were the Colts, especially when they were playing <laughs> against us for the Super Bowl. But, you know, I've always been a fan of great players, players that really epitomize the greatness of the game. And regardless of what team they're on, you just got to admire their work ethic, their drive, their, their want to win, their will to win. Peyton Manning is everything that you're looking for. And so I've always been a huge fan. So for me, um, not a big fan of... Oh, gosh, I don't know what you would call it, the new way of playing and celebrating in the NFL. I've never I've never been a huge fan of the um, jumping up and down and, the, you know, and, and all the hijinks after you after you get a after you get a win. Never I, I think been there a- are different ways of doing it. I, I think different players do it differently. I, I'm not really that I'm not really that opposed to, to, to Cam Newton. Uh, uh, for, for the celebrations and the way he does it. I, I like the way he involves the kids. Well, now that you know, I like. You know, but, you know, it's the it's the archer thing. And, the you know, I mean, yeah, I guess it's just, to me, it's unnecessary. It, it, it does not enhance the game in any way. It, it, it infuriates the other team. Sammy Baugh didn't do it back when you were a kid, right? <laughs> oh. You know what, though? Jim I'll Thorpe you, was I, not – never – he could have done the archer, though. Jim yeah, Thorpe would have been a guy that could have no, got No, he would have done the uh, the uh, uh, javelin or, or the well, – uh, well, Wasn't he part Indian? Yeah. Well, <laughs> just because he's an Indian does not mean – American Indian does not mean that he can hit with a bow and arrow, Greg. But, uh, you I, know. I just, yeah, please. I mean, come on. No, I, I, I just <laughs> – there. you want to bring it to today's games, watch the Army-Navy game college football well, that's such a well, unique situation it, 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 it is unique but what's wrong with it what's wrong with it or what's right with it is these two players hit just as hard just as ferocious just as much pride to win but they're not standing over staring down but, at each other but they're dancing not, but they're not building a brand either well you know that's what i'm saying did walter payton do it did any of the great players of their time do it no they built their brand on G- the quality of the game minutes. i'll think of a few uh, okay uh, now, you'd have to go back to uh, T.O., the famous, you know, Sharpie in the sock. Um, you can go back to uh, the Icky Shuffle. He was probably the first one that. Billy White Shoes Johnson. Yeah. The fun bunch with Kansas, uh, with uh, Washington. But there was, but now it's who, gone to a whole nother. But, but now it's just gone under this whole thing where I actually heard a player that scored a touchdown. I can't remember. If, Babe Ruth used the point. You know, he did. He didn't do that all the time. He did that one time, but the allegedly, thi- yes. But the thing was, and no, I wasn't at that game, so don't ask. I didn't say that. But you were thinking it. Uh, I could. I could tell. We've been around the Black each other. Sox scandal. No, shut <laughs> you up. Were from Chicago. You just shut up. But anyway, the uh, but the idea is the player was talking. They said that dance you did when you scored your first touchdown. That was pretty impressive. And he goes, "Yeah, you know, we were talking about that before the game." I didn't know. I wanted to break into something different, something unique. You know, So here he is before the game, before a playoff game, discussing his dance moves if he scores. 
I don't want my players thinking about their dance moves. I want their, my players thinking about the offense, the defense, the defense they're going to be running against. What are they going into? What holes are they looking for? I don't want to hear who's going to break down and do what. But, I mean, this is what it's gotten to. And, and, and it's once again, it's all the individual thing, you know. And, yes, if Cam did nothing but run up and hand the ball to the kids, great. And, by the way, can we put this? No, it doesn't cost Cam Newton $2,500 every time he hands away a football. They don't do that. It's not true. Don't believe it. It's not. But anyway, now that we've – because I heard guys in here going, gosh, he gives up five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 every game. No, he doesn't. He pays for the ball, I believe, and that's about that, it. That's probably – if he, I don't even think the NFL charges him anything, to be honest with you, because you know what? It's inconsequential. But the – Oh, it's good PR, too. It's great PR. So please, 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 no, they're not paying $2,500 every time they end away at football. Uh, because even Cam probably wouldn't be as generous with $2,500 every time he did it, because he's had quite a few this year. <laughs> that would have been well, quite quite expensive. 10000 yeah, sure a game sometimes. Yeah, but anyway, so I thought the game was uh, the, the second. Uh, Carson Palmer, oh, my God. I don't know what was wrong with him. I don't know if he he didn't show up. But, but they were just completely they, checked out that oh, whole that, game. That, they, they didn't, from the, from the opening kickoff, they didn't look good. I turned it off at halftime. I said, I can't watch anymore. It got worse. <laughs> And it really surprised me because that was not really the, the M.O. of that team. And that defense, season. that yeah. defense couldn't do anything. This is, and I hope Cam doesn't think that he handled a great defense because Arizona's a, a yeah, very well, good they, defense. They were a very potent team. But let me tell you something. If he thinks this defense he's going to see, you know, coming up is going to be like that defense, He's got another thing. All he has to do is look at the tape because New England's got a good offensive line, a decent offensive well, line. Well, they, they, their line was banged up, and, and they've had they've, they played with 41 different combinations on the offensive line this year. Yeah. Uh, they've had their issues, you know, they, but, in fact, but I they think still they got them all a guy the way. From Georgia, who was an uh, unsigned uh, free agent yeah. to, to, to play this year, and they fired their offensive line coach on Monday. So... Uh, you know, you can you can analyze that all you want. Right. I mean, and, and they're but they're a big time team, and they're a well coached team, yeah. and they were prepared for the game. It, yes. it's it was just a, it was just a dominant performance by one of the great defenses of the last ten years. Yeah, I, I if they win the Super Bowl, and that it will, you be, know, it will be, they will be. I think they will be recognized as at least as good as the Seattle defense was two years ago. The Legion of Boom, which I got so sick of hearing, because every commentator loved to say it, and they had to say it 50 times. Each one felt obligated. Their, their secondary might not be as strong, but their pass rush is probably twice as good, at least. And you know what? In this game, in this era, pass rush is everything. Yeah, no, I they're going to have to adjust it a little bit when they play cam. But Yeah, because, yeah, because they, they haven't seen someone that big that's that mobile. No. But as far as those guys hitting him, I'll tell you what, I don't care how big you are. You get hit like Brady got hit, man. And I don't care how big you are. It affects your timing. It affects every aspect of your game. You start trying to break out and run with it, pull it down quicker, run with it more often, and you feed right into what they're trying to do. So it can an awesome defense like that can really change anybody's game plan. And so it, it should make for a very good game. I'm hoping so because you know how bad it is when everybody gets together for a big party. We're going to have a huge party here at Cutters. And I've been to a, the last two Super Bowl parties. They were great parties, much better than the games. Well, and, and the so, game last year was good. Yeah, it was all right. It was all right. I, I want to see one like like the last game between New England and Denver. This last one, I want to see it down to the you know down to the wire where well, you can't get much closer than what happened last year with the interception. Yeah, well, yeah, that was. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was good. That was good. It was. Uh, why didn't they have Marshawn Lynch run? 
well, and I love that, it. That would be the question it. of the ages. Yeah. I, but anyway, that being said, looking forward to a great Super Bowl. And, of course, really for a lot of these political candidates, a big Super Bowl is coming up for them uh, tomorrow. Less than a week. Yeah, well, tomorrow. Yeah, and then tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow, because it's going to be a huge debate, because this will <laughs> be the last time they get a chance to talk to the Iowa voters. There's still 30 to 40 percent running right now in Iowa that say they're uncommitted. Um, and then you look past that, you look to February 1, I think it's February 1 where they... Uh, New Hampshire and then uh, South Carolina right on the heels of that. Yeah. And then Super Tuesdays in the middle of uh, March. So, you know, you've... Uh, w well, really in about six weeks, you're going to... I think you're going to see the separation. And I, I think after Super Tuesday will be the day that you see these lesser candidates fall by the wayside and drop out. Well, and they're going to have to. I mean, well, you've got to get it down to a couple, three, and then let them battle it out. And I think We're going to need to get into that some today because yeah. I, I think that the Republican Party needs to start looking at, at their strategy for November and, and how long they can go on splitting this, this support among what uh, still – there, there's, there's still probably, what, six big names, would you yeah. say? Yeah. I mean, you've got – look, you've got Trump, you've got Cruz, you've got Rubio – You've got Carson. Uh, Carson is still in there. And really, after that, it really falls off. I mean, you get down into single digits. I don't even think Carson. And I think the last poll I saw, Rubio wasn't even in double digits no. nationally. Um, so, I mean, but you've got, you've got Carson who's going who's gonna to hang in there for a while. Jeb will hang in there because he has to. I don't know. That I, well, you know. I don't know after Super Tuesday. If he, doesn't, if he gets nothing, I think, he'll, I think it, they'll let him fold his tent. Is he a statesman? And it, will he do the right thing? I think he will, and 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 you know, take it for the part for the good of the party. Maybe even some of his support at, at that point, at, after Super Tuesday, is going to say, "Now we need to start thinking about November." You know, you've got to do the right thing. And I think that's that's a question that that is going to be that's the question of the ages right now for all these people that are getting out. Because you look at you really look at it. I mean, this race is still very very close as far as. Trump and Cruz are concerned, and and really Trump and Cruz right now have consistently, for about the last two and a half months, been the top two tier both nationally and in Iowa. And I don't see any changes in that because there's, but the change I see, and we talked about this back when the Trumpster announced back in June, we said, you know what, it's it's a great show, it's a great show, but he is going to get full of himself, so full of himself that he's going to make a classic error. He's going to make a mistake in judgment. And I, and I thought up until now he hadn't done it. I really didn't think any of those things he had done. Everybody said he was going to get just pilloried with the immigration issue. It turned out to be the thing that catapulted him to the top. Um, the immigration issue, he has been great at cherry-picking the big issues. The issues that are the grassroots, blue-collar, at-the-dinner-table issues – and he had the opposite of what the establishment. So he, he did well. He hadn't stepped in it yet. He got into that little dust-up with Megyn Kelly, and that didn't really affect him. Um, the first dust-up with Megyn Kelly. Huh? The first dust-up. Yeah, the first dust-up. Yeah, which led to everything else that's happened since then. Um, you know, I, I was a huge fan of Megyn Kelly's going into that first debate. Uh, I came out of it and lost a little of the luster for me. Um, and then as it's gone on, she's now on Variety magazine covers. She's all over the place. 
her the way she talks and the way she interviews now it's more about her and how cute she can get a quick joke and and how cute she is and uh, how and and, and I, I think and that, that was seen, part of her her stick when she got the gig I, I her looks obviously helped and she's yeah, a very intelligent lady uh it's not that but now she's she's kind of become absorbed kind of like uh, O'Reilly has and some of these others uh, and and I've so I, I've lost the luster for, but I will I will give Ailes and I will give uh, Murdoch. You know you can't let cr- Trump come in here and say you got to change her. You got to oh, change. Oh, absolutely her. not. And and, and 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 Trump knew that going in. He he's known Murdoch and Ailes for long, way longer than and more intimately than we'll ever know him. And he knew by doing that he was looking once again for that big score, that big I'm going to suck up all the air right before the last debate. But where he made, I think, a classic fundamental mistake. He believes he is bigger than all of this. He truly believes in his own mind that he is Ronald Reagan, that he is the guy that doesn't have to show up to the debate because he's he's going to do some charity thing, which is going to make him look good. And he's not going to hide s- behind the troops. I'm That's not, exactly I'm, I'm not what that, it is. I'm not that impressed with that move. No, and not showing up to the last debate. And then to blame, he had to have someone to blame it on for some reason for not showing up. I think he thought he won the last few debates. I don't think so at all. Cruz no, I don't is, think so either. And Cruz. I, I, I think, no, finish your, finish your thought. Uh, Cruz whooped him the last two or three times. The media made Trump win, but if you went to the focus group right afterwards that Frank Luntz did, Cruz came away every time substantially stronger. And this last time, 26 for 26, and there were a lot of Cruz, uh, Trump supporters that were in that group that said after that debate, they were Cruz people. And this is where I think Donald really is, he does not want to go one-on-one. Well, on that's what I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I, going into Iowa, he didn't want to extend himself into a debate situation right before the right before the Iowa caucus right. where he could stumble again and this was a convenient excuse for him to back away while still getting media attention over the hoopla of not being, being in there the exactly so he sucks the air out of the debate and it's a cowardly move and and, and it, it's indicative of where i've seen this man for the last 25 years, if he can't be the top dog, if he can't be the center of attention, he doesn't want. He it. takes his ball and he goes home. He pouts. He's he's very childish in his approach to a lot of what he does. And and I, it goes back to before he even announced when it was just talk that he was getting ready to get into the race. The whole idea of a guy who's been cozy with NBC for a decade, a reality show star who I think believes the hype and, and, and sits in that boardroom on that show and the you're fired thing and all and, and, and really believes that he's much more substantive than he really is. And when he's pressed and he has to be substantive. That's what gets him. He falls on his, fi- on his face and he's smart enough to realize, I think, that he's not that smart. And he doesn't have that much substance. And the best thing for him to do was to run away. And, and and that's exactly what he did. Now, how many candidates will have the courage to come out and say that about him? Well, because see this is this is the 
this is where I think Cruz has done better than Rubio. I think Rubio has tried to fight back on issues, but he gets caught up in this name name game, you know, almost name-calling type of stuff, where anybody that, if you go back and look at the historical records and, and, and get some of the audio and visual of, of what Ronald Reagan used to do, he wouldn't call a, a derogatory name. He would He would add a funny quip, and then he would articulate his point and why he thinks it's vastly superior to the other person's point. And that is good debate. But when you get out there and say such things as, I'm going to make, you know, I'm a deal maker, so I'm just going to make deals. Okay, I'm going to solve the problem with, with, with our with international, China. with China, by making a good deal. Okay, well, you know what? That is exactly what you do when you lose in any kind of debate. You give a one simple sentence answer, and then you, you back off, and then you bluster, and you, and you BS. And I don't mean Barbara Streisand, which is very similar. But you, you go, what you do is you start putting all these little shiny objects out here to get everybody's attention off of the fact you don't know what you're talking about. And a perfect example of this, everybody, I've heard so many people, so many people support Trump. And I'm going to qualify it and say I have not ever been a Trump supporter. Neither, I do not believe in the guy. Neither one of them. All, all no. three of us. Yeah, all three of us had not. And by the way, the third person, I don't know where he is. He's been off the reservation for so long. There was a, a, an alleged sighting yesterday. Yeah, I heard. I heard. Yeah, well, that's good. But here's the thing, though. If you are going to be the presidential candidate representing a party, then you've got to clearly define yourself as to what, what you are. And all I've seen, the Trump supporters truly believe this guy is a conservative. And they are backing him as a conservative. I've gone around and around with them about that. And we're going to, we're, I've got some, some things here, issue by issue, which I don't know if you all are aware of this, but this guy is hardly a conservative. Well, yeah, but listen to what he said. A perfect example, Obamacare. I'm going to get rid of Obamacare. I'm going to tear it down. It's no good. It's horrible. And everybody's going, yay! I'm going to replace it with something so good, yeah. so great. Yeah, yay! Everybody's standing up like clapping seals and cheering and cheering and saying he's so wonderful, we're going to get rid of that evil Obamacare. But do you know what he wants to replace it with? Single payer. Single payer. He's equal to or less than Bernie Sanders. So this is a guy who says that his opening line is, I'm going to take care of the problem. You know, I'm going to make a good deal with China. Okay, what are you going to do? Well, I make a deal. Well, he what made, deal? Like the deal he made to, to outsource his ties? Yeah, there you go. He made a good deal. He made money, <laughs> you know. Oh, well, th- he did mention something about he was going to make he was going to make Apple come back to the United States and build their things. Yeah, right. How how does well, you said this before we went on the air? How does the president do that? I I, I can understand, and I, and I'm not going to make the analogy to the man who ran Germany during the 30s and 40s. Oh man, you want to get me fired up? But but. Outside of a dictator who threatens to shut down a company, in a free market society like we have, how do you dictate to Apple where they build their things? And what are you going to do? You're going to selectively uh, tariff their goods because they're made there? And you're, we, you're not doing it to Microsoft. You're not doing it to the, to the thousands of other companies that manufacture things over there. But you're going to do it to... A high-profile company, if they don't move their and 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 people are paying what I I don't I'm I'm guessing right now because 
with all the deals and the craziness that, that would go with cell phones, nobody actually knows. But I, I, I think the, the retail on an Apple iPhone is about $600. That's okay. about right. Okay. So you're going to force them, if you can force them to come back to the United States. Do you think the American people are going to stand for $1,800 iPhones? Of course not. Of course not. And that's... and, and, and We, see, we, this we is live in a global economy. And tariffs, as we learn... Uh, as you went in detail last week, and you, I, I don't know if you caught it, because I, 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 po- I posted it on Facebook last week. Driving home from our show, after you went into Holly Smoot uh-huh. in detail, who else was talking about Holly Smoot that very same night? Mark Levin. Well, when, he's where I really... Pay. He, 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 but I he read, was doing it after us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it really is. That was a disastrous time in our country, and it was a horrific time both financially. It was a debacle. It led to a decline in world, uh, in, in world uh, was, GDP of 66 percent. It was a global trade war. Yeah, and 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 this is exactly. And so when the Donald is sitting there telling us, "Okay, I got a plan. I got a plan. I, I'm going to make a deal. I'm going to make a deal. I'm going to make a deal." What does he do? He's the first thing he does is Microsoft and, or, or Apple, and then you look at what. The only thing he can do as a president is slap it. And he really can't do it. He's got to get the he's got to get the House and the Senate. And I don't know. I don't unless you had a whole House and Senate full of Bernie Sanders, you probably wouldn't get much support for that. Oh, because guess the, what? They could they donate a lot of money to politicians. Exactly. Crony capitalism. And that's the problem with that. So once again, once he says what gets everybody excited and then you the devil's in the details. It always has been. So then he does that. Then he talks about, and the only way he's going to be able to do it is tariff. We all know that's not going to happen. He's all about getting rid of the evil Obamacare. Yeah, yeah, he's for us. And then they, then he turns right around. Oh, by the way, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to get rid of Obamacare. Single payer. And, you know, and that has been a disaster. And, and the disasters of single payer are just through the roof. I mean, not only the financial disaster, not only the disaster of socialized medicine and all that entails, it is a nightmare of biblical proportions, which our country has never, ever experienced unless you've gone overseas and seen some of it. And even then, you don't see the everyday no. Joe that's waiting eight months to get a tooth pulled. And, and, and the proponents of single payer like Bernie Sanders aren't telling the American people the, uh, the real story of how it would work in a country like ours. We, were, we got into this just before we came on the air. Bernie's... Uh, his 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 plan, as he explained it, was that sure people are going to have to pay more in taxes, and I think that the numbers he used was you might pay five thousand dollars more in taxes, but you're going to be saving on average a family would be saving ten thousand dollars a year in insurance. Okay, however, most American families would also have to have supplemental insurance, That's private right. insurance. And why would they need that? Well, I use the example of a guy who needs an open-heart surgery. In, so, in a socialized system, you go to your socialized doctor after you've waited months for your appointment, and he tells you, well, we got your test back. You've got four clogged arteries. We can't put a stint in for somebody like you. You have to, you're, you have, to have open-heart surgery. We can fit you in in six weeks. Well, a guy who's two seconds away from a heart attack and has private insurance is going to go, 
I don't want that. I'm calling up my private doctor and we're going to the private hospital and I'm having open heart surgery in two days. That's going to cost a lot of money. Well, everything that Bernie Sanders has talked about has been going to cost us a lot of money. In fact, Greek, why don't we hear out of the horse's mouth? But where can we reallocate or cut spending on other programs? Sean, great question and a very fair question. And I start off with the premise that in the last 30 years, although my Republican friends don't like the term, there has been a massive redistribution of wealth in this country. Okay, all right, stop, Bernie, stop. In the last 30 years, there's been a massive redistribution of wealth. In other words, there are companies that have succeeded, there are people that have got wealthier, and you know what? When I hear this line, the first thing that comes to my mind is, Bernie loves to say this. He loves to talk about, we need to share, these evil companies need to share the wealth. Well, Bernie, how about this? How do you think they pay their employees? How do you think they hire employees? How do you think they get their benefits? How do you think they get everything that they get? It's called sharing the profits, Bernie. And more importantly, you take that even further, most people in the lower middle income on up are all relying on what? Their 401ks. That money helps support the 401ks. That money goes to hiring more employees. Research so how, and development. How much more can you share your wealth? Yes, there are going to be people that are going to make lots of money. But you know what? That's the inspiration. That's why this country thrived when Russia and, and, and Stalin and Marx and all these other companies, Mao, they all, had to, they all went by the, the roadside because it was a massive failure because you take away people's initiative if there's not something to be gained. So, Bernie, start right off the bat. There's been redistribution of wealth since the first company ever existed, and every job that's made is a redistribution of wealth. Go ahead, Bernie. Keep going. It's gone from working families, trillions of dollars, to the top one-tenth of one percent. So, yes, what this campaign is about is to say to profitable corporations who in some years don't pay a nickel in taxes, to the wealthiest people in this country who sometimes have an effective tax rate lower than truck drivers or nurses, yeah, you're all going to start paying your fair share of taxes. Okay. Karl Marx, Friedrich Engels, their whole campaign was about turning people against themselves, you know, turning the rich against the poor, the military against the, the people, the, and, and getting and, and throwing up all these. Let me tell you something. This is classic Marxist, Engelsisk, communistic, socialistic claptrap. You, there are the wealthiest one tenth of one percent. If you, if they paid every dollar they made, every single dollar, and took not a penny home, they wouldn't even put a dent in the national debt. So this clown, and I call him a clown because. He's worse than a carny barker because what he does is he is appealing to the masses, but to, to their greed and to their hatred and vitriol for their position in life. He's not coming up with anything substantive. He's saying, let's tear down the rich people. But, make he, but, them here's, pay for but, but here's where I might differ with you on that when, when in terms of calling him a carny barker. I believe that, that he believes in what he's talking about. Whereas so did Karl Marx. But a Carney Barker generally doesn't believe in what he's saying. I would, I would 
That's why I say he's worse than a Carney Barker. Because he really believes his socialistic nonsense is the way to go. And because he believes that, he's willing to tear down the country and tear down the economy and destroy the country because of what he believes. He's an ideologue, and I'm more he's, afraid he's, of ideologues than I am. We've had seven years of an ideologue. Yes, and you see what's happened. Now we want to get one that's worse, and you want to give him a shot at the A Carney Barker? I can deal with that a I lot easier. I give him a shot. I, no, I know you don't. We don't. But anyway, do you have anything else before we let Bernie? I don't know if I can listen to much more Bernie. Sanders. No, keep, we, keep playing it because right. it, it's. How am I going to pay to make certain that public colleges and universities are tuition free and we substantially lower interest rates on student debt? I pay for that because we're going to ask Wall Street to pay a tax on speculation. We are also believing, I believe, that after the working families of this country bailed out Wall Street, maybe it's their time to help the middle class of this country. Okay, uh, enough. enough. Well, Wall Street, big business. How was banks. Wall Street bailed out? I know how the banks were bailed out, but I don't know how Wall Street was bailed out. What, what other companies received? Uh, now, what, 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 he, what he would argue is, well, they don't pay taxes. And the example that was batted about back during the financial crisis was GE Capital. Mm -hmm. That GE Capital makes all this money and they don't pay taxes. All you have to do is look at the books for GE Capital in 2007 and 2008 and you see that they lost a tremendous amount of money. Sure. They also were able to carry losses three and four years into the future after those losses. So in the years of 2009, 2010, 11, in the recovery, they were still covering those losses. The reason why you do that is because you can't pay taxes on zero. So when you do start earning money, you have to be able to offset the years where you weren't earning money so that you can still get some type of a benefit in the taxes on those years, not that difficult to figure out, but it, it's not red meat for his audience. And right. I think their eyes also glaze over a little bit when you start explaining things like that to them. And he has a very effective message with his core audience. You have a younger generation that this appeals to because they haven't really been brought up and educated on capitalism. No, they their education is, is that it's an evil. That's right. That it's evil. It's horrible. It's wrong. That big government is the way. It is the answer. It is a solution. And every country that's done that has has not only failed miserably, and even when they've had some minimal successes, they've evolved away from it because it's a tremendous drain on business, because business leaves. It's a tremendous drain on the uh, the mental power. You know, the, it's a brain drain. They called it a brain drain for so many times. Doctors leaving countries because they can't make money. You've got doctors leaving. You've got entrepreneurs leaving. You've got big businesses leaving. I remember when I was in Ireland back a couple of years ago, one of the big discussions was that the uh, EU was, putting, uh, was, was going to take off some of the uh, restrictions and the Irish government was going to start taxing. I think it was, I, forgive me if I'm wrong, I, I think it was HP. But anyway, HP said, wait a minute. No, we're not going to pay those kind of taxes because 
they were trying to get more businesses over to Ukraine or some area over there. So they said, what we're going to do is we're going to drop it way down over there and force them to. And so Hewlett Packard, just 5,000 jobs like that. And in a country the size of Ireland, you take away 5,000 jobs, they went to the Ukraine. Because at the end of the day, my friends, companies have to make profit. People have to make money to get the good CEOs, to get the best. You've got to pay for it. Do you think they pay LeBron James the same that they were paying him? Do you think they're paying him the same that they're paying a journeyman? No. Of course not. You want the best, and you have to pay for the best. Why, why is it that a guy like Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders is, is the guy that stands up on the top of the hill and says, a chicken in every pot. Everybody's going everybody's gonna to have what they want for free, and the evil, filthy rich are going to pay for it. What he fails to remind people is that the more you tax those filthy rich, the more they're going to leave. Or they're going to stop producing. That, or just status quo. No Jobs stay stagnant. There's no more growth. If you're a, if you're a billionaire, I mean, I'll use an example of somebody. The only person that I've ever, the only female that I've ever met in the, in the Forbes top ten mm-hmm. was Jacqueline Mars. Mars is a privately held company. It's not a public company. She's worth right now somewhere around $20 billion. Did you date her? She's 78 years old. Did you date her? <laughs> I would have. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say. <laughs> you know, $20 asking. billion. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to tell you what I would do for $20 billion. <laughs> we won't get into the details. But, but no. But, but, you, but you take someone like that, a, 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 a captain of industry, they're going to fold their tent. Why I've not? got $20 billion. Who needs you? Exactly. Just, uh, I'll shut this down. I'll put thousands of people out of work. And what's happening at Walmart? They're shutting it down. Ten to 16,000 jobs. No one would have thought. You can't, you cannot keep taxing these corporations and making them the enemies. They are not the enemies. The enemies are the big government spenders. It is the entitlement programs. And it goes across all kinds of boards. It's the national debt. It's all those things are the big problems. It's not big business. And this is what an effective debater would tell a Bernie Sanders if he should get the nomination. Okay, you're going after these big corporations, these, these evil entities that are faceless and nameless to you. But what are you going to tell that guy sitting out in the audience right there who works for that company and all of a sudden he's going to lose his job? Or even not get a raise or not get a, a, a promotion or, or his, his department isn't going to expand. What, so he's going to have to do two jobs instead of one. What are you, what are you, you going to tell these people when you start putting faces and names to these corporations? How do you justify it then? What they, but they don't do that. That's what's But an effective people. debater would do Absolutely that. An effective debater would. Would, would ask him that question. What while company do you work for, sir or ma'am? What company do you, what do you do? Now, that's, and chances are they're probably a big company how, or a big corporation. How are you going to offset this man's retirement when his 401k takes the hit because of all of these new taxes and new burdens you're putting on the companies that he's invested in? So the people that are producing very little or nothing at all are going to have, uh, you're going to pay for their free stuff. And even those that are producing... I am quite sure if you were to ask the average person that's got a good job, who's working hard and puts their time in, they would say that the system that they had isn't too bad. Yes, school, but yes, school loans, but they've got loans now that are easy. And, and why, why should you get free money to go to school? What? 
I don't get that. I, I mean, they're trying to make public college like high school. Yes. And there's when that happens, your degree becomes no better than a high school degree. If everybody goes to college, what's the significance of the college degree? And and, and, and the and the painful truth is. We talk about the lack of, of industry in the United States anymore. We, ta we talk about the lack of manufacturing. If you're sending everybody to college, who's going to put bottle caps on bottles? Who, who's going who's to assemble an iPhone? If, if, you bring, if you force Apple back, but everybody's going to college, who's going to work on that line? And not only that, Greek, but here's another thing. The dirty little secret of the expense of college the reason college is so expensive is every year they go up and up and up. Every year they're offering more and more goodies. They're, they're, they're spending lots more money. And part and of the reason for that is because college has become so easy. And so they, they, they you know, um, circular floating pools through the student union. Uh, all this nonsense that they're doing. Instead the, the of salaries of tenured professors. That's another thing, too. And they claim, well, we have to, or we're going to lose them. That's their friends. Yeah, exactly right. And the, the, so those, all the way the, up. The, those are the people on the front lines of indoctrination. That's exactly right. So if you look at really why college education is so outrageously expensive, look no further than the college itself. I think when I went to Georgia, in, I started in 82, so put people in perspective of when, what time period it was. 17 I, or 18. <laughs> Actually, I was there for their bicentennial. So, um, but I think I think tuition was like around for 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 a full load, which is fifteen hours, was around three hundred and eighty dollars mm -hmm. for in-state tuition. I think now it's around seventeen hundred for in-state tuition. Plus, you have all of these people now who are going on on hope scholarships. My mother has been in public education for over thirty years. Here's what she tells me about Hope Scholarships, particularly in certain schools and in certain demographics. If you go to school and you participate and you don't cause a problem, you're guaranteed a C. If you turn in your work and you make an effort, you're guaranteed a B. Because they don't, the teachers in high school don't want to be the ones to deny a kid an opportunity I I at a free education. That's right. So if you go and you just do the work, you're going to get your B in a public school. And, you know, it's, we make it seem like these are simple, simple answers. But what we're trying to get people to understand, we're going to get more into, we've, we've kind of gotten off of Donald Trump, but there's some more serious things we've got to talk about. But here's the thing. We are at Cutter Cigar Emporium right here in beautiful Alpharetta, Georgia, in just about 10 minutes. Big John Sandella is going to be joining us at the microphone, and he's going to share a... Big John. Yeah. Big John. I know. I've, I have he actually heard the first original, so he might as well. Well, no, I, I actually have that 45, so... <laughs> yes. Okay, so we're right there. I, I, but Jimmy um, Dean, do you know what was on the flip side of that? Oh, uh, no. I won't go hunting with you, Jake. Oh, okay. I won't go hunting with you, Jake, but I'll go chasing women. That was the name of the song. Okay, well. I can probably pull it up. We no, can play I, I, it I, 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 I don't think we, we necessarily. Have the, <laughs> we have the technology. <laughs> but um, here's the thing, though. We try to remind you that you these are the things you need to discuss. These are the things you need to look at. Believe me, when Bernie Sanders, the ideologue, stands up there and tells the college student, 
here's how I'm going to pay for it, starting with the wealthy and ending with the wealthy. And, oh, there might be some other people. Yeah, there might be some other people get a little tax, but we're going to give so much more. I ask you to just think of this. There's the guy that stands there, and he. how many times have you seen on Facebook? He just won $267 million in the lottery. The first 1,000 people yeah. I was going to get 1000 bucks. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is the same demagoguery. This is the same nonsense. And no matter how he tries to spin it, this is what it boils down to. My friends, college will never be free. It will never be free unless your kids are able to get scholarships that put them above and beyond everyone else so that they can get full-ride scholarships. Very difficult to do, but it can be done. There is money that's available, very low interest. Bernie wants to lower it even more. But the problem is, even at the low interest, they weren't paying it back anyway. No. So what they're hoping for is someone like Obama or Bernie to come in and wipe it, wipe it clean and say, okay, we'll just take the loss. Now we're going to go back. It's like immigration. It is a poison pill. And you know what no one is talking about on either side right now? What's that? Reducing the deficit. Oh, no. You're absolutely right. Wh where is the talk about taking the $19 trillion that we're already in the hole and bringing that number down? In 10 years, there was just a latest uh, CBO number, $30 trillion. And that's as even by, by that's 20, not even 10 years. That's really a false number as well because when you look at, at Social Security and the outlays for, for programs like that, it's really closer to about 60. And these are, and, and the government is not giving you the real numbers because they don't want you to know. So when you've got Bernie and Hillary and all of them telling you how much they're going to give you and don't worry about it, it's not going to, you're not going to pay for it, the rich are going to pay for it, just remember, the rich share their profits with every single employee they have with every single benefit they give, they are sharing it. And who are you or me to tell them how much money they should make? Because if you're willing to pay LeBron or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees $100 million to play football, then don't come to me and say, oh, that's cool. I mean, hey, he's earned it. You know, he's, he's Drew Brees, he's Peyton Manning, he's this, he's that. Well, let me tell you, Jack Welch, and you can run down the list of these very successful CEOs, they're being paid the big bucks because they're making the big bucks for their company. If that stops, so does their compensation, by the way. And there's also a moral component to this debate as well. Much. Um, when Bernie released his tax brackets for his proposed new taxing system, anybody making over a half a million dollars a year would be paying more in taxes than they take home. Listen to that, my friends. Does does that sink in? I, 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 I said this before we went on the air. We would all love to be in a position where we were making a half a million dollars a year. I'm not shortchanging that. I'm not saying that's not a significant amount of money. But a half a million dollars a year is not the same people he's talking about when he talks about the millionaires and the billionaires. A half a million dollars a year does not go that far when you look at the financial obligations of people that earn that kind of money. That's right. When, when you look at the money that they're putting into the economy in terms of their their, 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 their house, their, 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 their debt, 
this is apart from property taxes and things right. like that. Well, I'm talking about federal tax and the state component of income tax. Anybody over a half a million dollars a year would be paying over 50% of their income in income taxes. And that to me, that's immoral. Well, of course it is. And any country, but see, you've got too many people that are sitting there jumping up and down going, yay, yay, yay. That's what we need. That's what we want. Down with the evil rich, up with the proletariat. That's where the proletariat came from, Karl Marx. He is doing the same. He is following the script of Karl Marx. I mean, here's a guy that had his honeymoon in Russia when it was communist Russia. Yeah. This is a guy who is hell-bent on taking his country down the road to wreck and ruin so that we can be like the Soviet Union, so that we can be like the true communists because we're going to do it better. And every single group well, that has tried to do it better has ended in disaster. Democratic socialism, which is the norm in, in many parts of Europe, they've all had that same idea. Well, we can do it better. And look what's happened. Oh, my God. And, and the immigration issue. We've been pounding the drums all these many months since we've been on the air. We were talking about it even before the Trumpster brought it up. Immigration is a horrible, horrific thing. And it well, is illegal, illegal. Immigration illegal. is immigration in and of itself when it's kept within the guidelines that have been when it benefits the country that and that's what immigration is all about. For those of you that believe that immigration is to help the poor person that comes from another country that just is having bad luck or whatever. That's not what immigration is about. Immigration no, is because always if that were the only goal. You would have no borders. Would just, well, everybody would be a citizen of the world. And you know what? Everybody would be a citizen of the United States. Why? Because we get all the, the most goodies. free stuff. Yeah, we have the most free stuff. And so, of course, they're going to want to come here. And when you make the border, borders as open and free as they are, when you flood the market, and then you have all the illegals overstaying their visas, you know, if you just if you just check the people that overstayed their visas, 40% of, these, of the people in this country, a minimum of 40% of the people in this country would be gone. No. Be yeah. Not 40 Forty percent of the illegals in this oh, country. Oh, forty percent of the illegals, not forty yeah. percent of the people. No, forty percent of the people that are here illegally right. would be gone it's if not. you just followed the law. And there's probably many more than that. Why? Because the numbers aren't being recorded. Because DHS was supposed to have this wonderful system for figuring it out twelve years ago. They're supposed to be implemented. They haven't got it to this day. They haven't done squat with it. You know why? Because they don't, they don't want, want to. to. Exactly. And why don't they want to? Greek. We've talked about this many times. It's votes, baby. It's votes because Pew Research, several other polls have come out, eh, three or four points, 70 to 75% of those who have come here legally or illegally that have sucked off the government tit in one, one form or another have become Democrats. You look at those numbers in conjunction with all the free stuff you're making easier for people to acquire now, you add that, you're, you're talking about a voter base that is going to be difficult to break. And... And, th and this is another little, I guess, uncomfortable thing that people don't like to talk about in debates, but they have to be brought up. And and I don't know really if it's if if maybe it's appropriate in 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 the primary debates, but when you're on the stage with a Democratic candidate and you're running as a Republican, you need to point out to the American people that one of their primary motives in their immigration policy is to dilute 
you're voting. You're, exactly you're voting. right. That's exactly right. That's why they're – do you think for a minute they care? Do you no, think absolutely for a minute, not. And, and that's why I don't understand why they've had such a stranglehold on minorities in this country because they're the ones that are being uh, – that are feeling the brunt of this immigration – lack of immigration policy. The lack of immigration policy – foisted upon us in the worst way, in the biggest numbers, by this administration. Think about the money that is spent on illegal immigrants that could go to American citizens truly in need. And we're going to get into that when we come back. I want to talk about an interesting discussion that I had on Facebook with a gentleman uh, about the young woman who was at the Bernie Sanders town hall, and she was crying and saying, you know, I've got I'm, I'm doing two, three, four, sometimes five jobs at a time. Um, you know, I'm not making ends meet. I'm a divorcee with three kids. I've got medical issues. And now I've been forced to move home until my Social Security comes through. Now, first of all, they were saying, see, this is the kind of woman that needs the help. She's the one that you've got to, we've got to really help and take care of. And I'm here to say... I don't know the real story behind this gal because anybody can sit there and do crocodile tears in a forum like that and the media fawned all over. I said, I am not willing to say right now. Well, nobody asked her if she had a smartphone. Does she have cable or satellite? What's her car payment every month? See, you don't know all the things behind it. And I'm sorry, Greek. Two, three, four, five times, four jobs at a time and she can't make ends meet with her three kids because she's a divorcee? What about her husband? What about... What about all that? There was nothing no mentioned child about support. no child support, no nothing. And if she's getting child support and she's working two, three, four jobs at a time, even at minimum wage, you add that on the child support, that can be a pretty healthy chunk of change. And if you're having to go on Social Security because you're disabled, so much so. How are you working you, five jobs? <laughs> see, these are the questions. But yet, when I brought this up, I, all I did was say, look, I don't think we should pass judgment on this gal one way or the other yet until we know and we certainly don't want to make a class uh, a class struggle out of this because they were saying see and it's the republicans it's the conservatives they don't want to they don't want to listen they don't want to give they have so much to give this woman has so little that we need to give and i said wait a minute what we want to do is we want to give a hand up to help not a handout for a livelihood we want to give it to those who are truly in need not to those who say they're in need. Yeah, if we were more supportive of the corporations, uh, maybe she would have a better job. How about that? How about more jobs if you lower the corporate income tax? Or you do away with income, uh, corporate income I tax. I think that. Can you imagine how much money would flood back into this country? How many businesses would much rather bring it all home? Much rather bring it home without that corporate income tax? Now, these are the things we want you to talk about around your table. And while you're thinking about it, and talking about it, think about Donald Trump. Is he really a conservative? Is he the is he the standard bearer? I think not. And we're well, going to have some get more. Into that. We yeah, have some sound bites. Back, but uh, now it's time for John. Right over here, John. You can pull right up here. Yeah, you got to sit next to me, man. You know, you. See the. You know, really. Here, I'm going to let you play with your own microphone, man. You have much more experience than the average person. But anyway, welcome, John. Uh, glad to have you. And, uh, of course, John Sandella is one of the stalwarts here at Cutter Cigar Emporium. Almost any time of the week you come in, 
you will get to meet John and Gosh. sit down and have a chat with him, and you will find out that he's a pretty good guy ordinarily. You know, I mean, knows what he's talking about, does have some good suggestions on cigars. and uh, Keeps you in line? No, 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 no. Greek, please. <laughs> there we go. There we go. He's, made it he's not turned on. No, he 